Hello there, Misketeers! Welcome back to Missing Out Mondays, where we tell you what we're into. Start your week off right. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And today we're joined by Greg Goodness, who will be on our main show tomorrow. Hello! Stay tuned tomorrow for when I really tear apart fear and loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> It's going to be real sweet. What are you into this week, though? What am I into this week? I know that everyone's big anime kerfuffle is Evangelion, but I think we would be remiss if we did not talk about Agretzko because I am all about that right now. Like, listen, Evangelion uh, is a groundbreaking work, and it's very satisfying on a therapeutic level. That beautiful little red panda, that angry little red panda... (laughs) is just so satisfying and it's a real joy to watch and i laughed uh i don't laugh out loud at a lot of anime yeah because there's just something about like you know the translation and you're crossing all these different cultures i laughed out loud and i laughed out loud often so it's adorable it is uh, satisfying and like comfort food for the soul. I think everyone should go watch it. Yeah, Agretzko is really cool. I uh, I've I watched uh, most of the first season, um, <laughs> and I like how it tra- it tackles like uh, gender politics in offices, and I also just love the character because. It, she's like really adorable, but once she starts doing her karaoke, it becomes like a, a kiss death metal video at that point. Um, it's awesome. I'm lost. Uh, we'll go to Netflix, search for Agretzko, and then become enthralled. I feel like Agretzko is something that could get people who are not into anime into anime. Like, it's a very sort of neutral diving in point where it's not like, what are these giant robots doing? It's just, no, these are grounded, cute little animals in a normal workplace setting, dealing with their lives and trying to sort stuff out. Yeah. If it wasn't, uh, if the original language wasn't Japanese, you could assume that it is something that would play on Cartoon Network or anything like that. Like, it, I feel like, and I could be wrong, that Agretzko is basically in the Kuropi universe, like the, the Hello it's, Kitty. No, it's made by the same people who do Hello Kitty. Yes. Which is kind of bonkers. I mean, look, they're adorable. The characters are adorable. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But... This is a much more adult, not like hard R, not safe for work kind of adult, but it does deal with some right. actual emotions and stuff. Yeah, so, adult themes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, but that style isn't necessarily traditional anime style, which I think also would help people who are not traditionally uh, anime fans get into it. Um, speaking of Netflix. I binged uh, season three of Stranger Things this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, and I really liked it. I think that like it really built on the characters really well. I feel like it was less nostalgia-driven and more character-driven this time around, which I really liked. There uh, were some pretty heavy leans on the nostalgia, dude. I know, <laughs> but it wasn't like, this is our Ghostbusters episode. Um, it was more like, these things are there. Um, but for the most part, like we are moving forward because these characters need to do a thing. Um, and I also like that we're basically watching these kids go through puberty um, and they're really in their awkward phase and you feel it. 
a lot of the characters feel superhuman, not superhuman, but like very uh, relatable and human. And they do things that are, um, they make mistakes. Sometimes they're assholes. They have to apologize for the way that they treat people. Uh, and I really like that aspect of it. Very much a girl power season uh, without mm. spoiling too much, or it definitely feels that way, which is nice considering how the series, some people would make the argument, have underutilized their female characters in the past. I mean, they very much did. Um, <laughs> they're basically two. What they all right? So they started out with just the three main female characters. Now, like our, our group has gotten so big by season three. Like, there's a shot where everyone's together, and it's a long pan because yeah, like there's God. so many different disparate groups, and and now like like the colors is also washing in. Like you know, you have uh, Lucas, and Lucas is given more to do, and now Lucas's little sister is involved, which is awesome. So like, you really get a sense of how much these incidences incidences yep that's how that works um are bringing them together. is the word that you're looking for thank you that <laughs> works uh so it's good i really liked season three i think that people who have been watching since season one will really be rewarded for how this grows also there's a lot of like if you're squeamish uh, the season might be hard for you there's a there's some there's some stuff yeah, that's gory. That man. was the moment where you completely sold me. Because <laughs> I've, I've seen season one of Stranger Things, and I've yet to catch up. And I wasn't sure it was going to be violent enough for my tastes. And now you have assured me that I will be safe. Oh, dude. Yeah. Season three, man. It gets gross. Um, ugh. I, don't, I, can't, I can't tell you why, but it does. Um, but what, what are you into? <laughs> Is it something gross? Uh, I guess it depends on who you ask. All right. <laughs> uh, I'll ask. Is, is it, it gross? What are you into? It's not. Uh, so you know, you know, we got to talk about Spider Man. Oh yes, that came out this week. It did. So uh, obviously, Spider Man: Far From Home, the latest installment in the ever expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, their tw- what is it? Their twenty third yes film, I think. Uh, and the official conclusion to the Infinity Saga, uh, their third phase as well. Uh, I know, Tari, you saw it. Yes. Greg, you did not. I have not. I am woefully behind on my Spider-Verse. So, so in, in a couple of minutes, there is one element of the movie that I, I can't really talk about at all without spoiling a little bit. Uh, so we're going to save that a couple minutes from now. It's about uh, the, the villain's function in the story. But very broadly, uh, Tari, uh, did you like it? Yes. I thought it was a, a worthy sequel to uh, the homecoming film um i i people ask me a lot if which one i think is better and i think that they are different movies yes i think that homecoming is a very good mcu movie i feel like far from home is a great spider-man movie agreed now to some people this is going to be controversial but uh the only movie that Far From Home is now uh, in contention with as far as my favorite Spider-Man movie is Into the Spider-Verse. I keep going back and forth, but it's not. there are a lot of people who will come at me with pitchforks for not standing by Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, a film for which I, I understand the love and the respect completely. But this is so... Far From Home is so... In, in, a, in a world where it's a Peter Parker Spider-Man story... This is exactly what I feel I've been hoping for since about midway through Raimi's run. Uh, I love 
how they they address because you have to you have to address the fallout from Avengers Endgame because the the world and and how we're we're approaching our day to day has been irrevocably shifted. We now live five years in the future. You've got uh you know uh thankfully all of Peter's classmates apparently died with him, so our major <laughs> characters are same age. But you have, you know, kind of cute ideas like my little brother is now my big brother and it's weird. Uh Uh, But uh, obviously they're going on a class trip to uh, Europe and Nick Fury gets involved when all of these uh, weird uh, creatures, these elementals, they call them, start laying waste to different cities. And out of nowhere comes Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, sporting one of the best hats in cinema history. (laughs) Swear to God, like I figured because Marvel Studios has been great about we're going to make these costumes look like the comic book costumes costumes uh i figured as soon as they announced mysterio i'm like they're gonna give us the bubble helmet aren't they oh they're gonna give us the bubble helmet and even though i knew to anticipate it first time i saw that trailer and saw that thing moving around i'm just like i need nothing else in this life but to watch that dude in that hat best hat since aquaman which, which had i'm telling you man like greg you don't you don't know tari knows my un uh my my uh, abiding and ceaseless love for the hats in Aquaman, the big black manta laser helmet, and also Orm's emoting fish hat. Uh, <laughs> this mysterious crystal ball head, right up there with some of the best hats that cinema has given us. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Mysterio's function in the story, and this is where I do get into some spoilers, so I'll, I will give you a three, two, one in a second. Having said that, if you know what Mysterio's deal is at all from the comics, that as soon as you know Mysterio's the villain, the way they set him up in the advertising, you can start to maybe make some predictions as far as where this relationship is headed. Whereas first Quentin Beck is presented as a mentor, maybe there's a little bit more to the guy than that. So I'm gonna give, I'm gonna do three, two, one, and I'm really not I'm not gonna give any more. Uh, there's certain things like in the in the end credits I will not spoil even in the spoiler section because mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the movie by now you deserve to discover these things uh, on your own. Uh, there's uh, there's something in the in the credits that I assumed there wasn't even a one percent chance of them doing and they did it and it made my uh, probably my whole decade. That's where the bar is. And you'll mm. know when you see it, and you'll be like, I get being excited, but like, you have nothing else going on? This is all you have, really? Well, Batman It's a second said, hat, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yep. it's a sec. He puts a hat on a hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> His head looks like a fucking snowman. <laughs> what America loves, a hat on a hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the perfect metaphor for something that's great is putting a hat on a hat. <laughs> But so some some crazy exciting things. If you haven't seen the movie, but you have heard, there are some truly mind blowing, game changing things that they do in the credits. You were not misled. Both the mid and post credit sequence uh, contextualize certain things you've already seen in a different light, and also tease some really exciting things that they can now play with in the cinematic universe going forward. But now, really quickly, I want to talk a bit about Mysterio in this movie because I absolutely love what they did with this character. Greg, cover your ears. Uh, man, you ain't gonna spoil nothing for you, me. We Go dis- for we it. We discussed this ahead of time, and I got I got Greg's permission. So, alright, ready? Uh, Mysterio spoilers in three, two, one. So, obviously, Mysterio's the bad guy. If you didn't know that going in, yes, Mysterio is the villain of the film. Uh, Mysterio is not from another dimension. He is, in fact, a scorned Stark employee who's 
angry because Tony Stark took away his his technology, used it as a personal therapy experiment, and called it barf. I absolutely <laughs> love like it's that petty. It's that petty. He's just he's mad that Tony Stark called it barf. Uh, I love that they brought back that technology from Civil War. I want to say maybe it was on the Infinity War commentary. The Russos were talking about how they put that in there for a specific reason and hinted very strongly that that was something that may come back in the future. Mm. And a lot of people assumed, especially because at the time they were denying vehemently that time travel was a part of Endgame, uh, a lot of people started speculating, well, maybe because we've seen the set photos and we know there's some stuff that looks like the past, maybe they recreate these scenes with that technology in that movie and that's how we get those sequences. Of course, that didn't happen. Uh, if you somehow, if you're one of the four people on the planet who didn't see Endgame, spoilers, there's time travel. They did, brought you see, did you see Endgame? I saw Endgame. Okay. Right, good. I'm at re- least that far into it. <laughs> we didn't get that approval. <laughs> Listen, Relax. I'm a human being, okay? I saw Endgame. This, statistically, almost everybody has seen Endgame. Uh, even babies. So, uh, th- I, I, But I love that they were able to bring it back here. And you have this little uh, cabal of scorned Stark employees, including uh, the guy who was in... I forget. I don't remember the actor's Iron name. Iron Man 1. He was... was the kid in Christmas Story. Yes. He was Ralphie in Christmas Story. But I love that they brought him back. He was also a producer on the first movie. And I also love to recontextualize for the audience the the who this character is. They cut back to I think my single favorite moment in Iron Man, which is Jeff Bridges yelling at the dude, Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave! And points at him and flips his tie. I couldn't really explain to you why I get so much mileage out of that moment, but chef's kiss. I mean, well, it's perfectly acted. So Mysterio's whole bag is that he creates nightmare illusions. So, uh, what I love is that he is now using technology, whereas in the comics, uh, the original incarnation of the character, Quentin Beck, was an effects guy for the movies, and that's how he created these nightmare illusions. Whereas now, right, like when we make movies and we make we create uh, extensive special effects for our films, we're doing it with technology. Uh, so uh, uh, on that note, by that by that. Uh, by that token, is that yes, an expression? in that vein. In that vein. There we go. That's the one. That's why you're the smart guy, Tari. Thank you. Uh, in that vein, Mysterio, Quentin Beck in this movie is literally wearing a mocap suit. And everything that he creates, all of these nightmare illusions are all done with this, uh, this technology that he is... Uh, procured for himself and he's creating all of these giant elementals himself so that he can fight them look awesome and for all intents and purposes be the next iron man i really like this angle on the character i really like that he feels uh like exactly the right villain for this time and place insofar as the whole uh you know people need to believe in things right now and they'll basically believe anything uh, I love his relationship with Peter. I love that Peter has to uh, really step up and, and almost become a, the next Iron Man himself. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where uh, he re- he reminds Happy of Tony. And it's a very, for me, it was very emotional, that moment. Really, like, oh, it got me. Got my feels. I like started to get all glassy and shit. Aww. I cry at these, by the way, Greg. Just, <laughs> so, just so you know. Um, no, sh- I'm, no shame. Over no, this. no shame at all. <laughs> no shame. That's, hey. what, that's what they're there for is to make me personally cry. Just yeah. me. The, the producers are always sitting there being like, what is Lex going to think about this scene? Like, how, what do you think the tear quotient is going to be? And they're like, at least six ounces. We got to get, we got, this is a six ounce scene. Oh, this is a 10 ounce scene. Like they, they measure scenes in terms of how much liquid they can get out of your face. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what? That's disturbing. Is it though? A little. Okay. Uh, but I love. Yeah. Anyway, I love what they did with that character. Gyllenhaal is phenomenal. Gyllenhaal has made so many really fascinating choices, and he's become one of the. Not that he ever was uninteresting, but he's become one of the most interesting actors working, in my opinion. The dude. Such an eclectic resume, but I think he brings a ton to the character of Mysterio. I love what they did with him. I love all of the relationships. Like, I'm not a big uh, teen high school romance person. I feel like I'm not really the target audience for it, but I genuinely... You're not me? Because <laughs> that's all I do. Did you did you hear me plug Evangelion earlier? But, but having said that, though, I really, really enjoy... The, the romance elements of this movie as well, I really like Tom Holland and Zendaya together uh, because in this movie, they get to do a lot more of the really awkward high school flirtation and it feels so genuinely authentic. And these two have a ton of chemistry. Love all the Ned and Betty stuff. Um, I, lo- I liked it, man. I liked I couldn't it. Tell. I like it a bunch. I mean, look, everybody who's ever heard this show knows that I'm in the bag for these things immediately. <laughs> so, all right, fine, take take that as a given. I still this this sets up so many interesting things, and it feels like we have now taken MCU Spider-Man, and he has fully evolved into the Spider-Man that I grew up reading very yeah. very much so and now you know we get finally at the at the end of the movie we get a lot of imagery that is associated classically with Spider-Man and also certain things that feel very much in line with the the PS4 game as well oh yes there's the, a, a sequence at the end where he's like taking a picture like, and you're do like swinging and taking yeah. selfies and also again this I will not spoil but uh there is a way how do I? There's a way uh, a character it, they're setting up to utilize, and they're seemingly utilizing this character in a very similar capacity as this character. No pronouns. This character was used in the PlayStation game. Got it. Um, but yeah, going back to the thing that this sets up, I really liked this aspect of legacy um, because this movie, in addition to um, being the last in the this saga of the MCU, is also kind of asking you like what's what's next like and and at this point spider-man is kind of the front runner and he is also kind of burdened with taking on the legacy of what was before um but it also in that regard shows that every legacy has two sides there are the people who revere you and there are the people who hate you and that is the essence of a legacy that there's no pure legacy which is effectively the theme of every Iron Man movie. Exactly. And also certain movies that aren't called Iron Man, but Iron Man is in. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, but I also really like, there's a moment uh, you were talking about in Infinity War, where it was the moment when Spider-Man showed up during the fight in New York, and he was like, hey, Mr. Hey, hey, Mr. Stark, wh- what's going on here? Um, and that is such a, like, a quintessential comic Thing. Yes. And I feel like this movie captures that feeling. Very much so. It is a Spider-Man movie through and through, yes. But it definitely takes place in the Marvel Universe. Like, Nick Fury shows up because no one else is around. Um, you know, and and they address or talk about things that are happening in the greater universe. But ultimately, like, it's his focus and he has to deal with those things himself. Right. But, like it's not so insulated that you can't mention that like, you know, 
Doctor Strange exists or, uh, you know, the Hulk might be doing busting somewhere else, you know? I'm just looking forward to when they finally get the DC rights to Calendar Man. When is Calendar Man going to show up in these things? <laughs> That's what America wants to know. It's America true. demands Calendar Man. Well, keep an eye on CW's Arrow for Calendar Man. He's <laughs> yeah, maybe the big him. bad. Yeah, they'll get him in the last, what, ten, eight to ten episodes that they're doing? Yeah. But a very sexy Calendar oh, Man. He, like definitely. chiseled abs and right. reimagined of like, this ab is called Monday. This is Tuesday. <laughs> this one right here, well, that's Friday because it's down to party. I like the idea that like, he changes his outfit for every calendar. So he's like, this is my swimsuit calendar. <laughs> and then he's like, this is my fireman's calendar. Because uh, that would make him the best villain. And every time, since everyone knows that Arrow is ending. Um, so this is no surprise, spoiler if you didn't. But every episode he's like, your time is almost up, Mr. Queen. <laughs> and... The characters don't know that that means that Mr. Queen's going away, but we do. So he does it and he looks at the camera and he goes, wink. <laughs> Anytime that you can get a movie or a TV property that looks directly into camera and goes, wink, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. Not that they actually wink, but they look dead eyed, staring straight <laughs> ahead and say, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Does Far From Home have that moment, is what I'm asking. <laughs> yes, but it's under the bubble helmet. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. And then I guess the, the last thing I want to say, too, is I absolutely adored all of the Nightmare Illusion sequences in the movie. They feel very much like uh, the, the 90s cartoon come mm -hmm. to life in a way that I, I loved and I ate up every second of that. Yeah, um, I agree. Speaking of legacies... And uh, them not being ultimately good or all bad. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about uh, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. And kind of diving into the idea of how the legacy of Hunter S. Thompson uh, is both fraught and uh, filled with such vigor. Yep, that's the word I decided to go with. Yep. Shut your face. The yep. man has a complicated legacy. Yeah, that thought progressed so logically from beginning to end. I Thank applaud you. you. Yes. He's a complicated man, and no one understands him <laughs> but his woman. Hunter. As <laughs> tough. I am uh, so secure with you at the wheel. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Uh, Greg has brought his expertise. Uh, he's read the that's book. A, oh boy, he's that's a stretch. all of his expertise. Um, he's, an, he's the leading expert on Hunter S. Thompson. Um, no, but like we're gonna, really going to be diving into the themes of the book, um, the things that the, the movie... Uh, got right and got wrong. We're going to be talking about our feelings in terms of 
the the legacy that Hunter S. Thompson left behind and how it has influenced us and how we feel about it from the time that we were exposed to it to now. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting uh, discussion. So we really hope that you guys will join us. Until tomorrow, uh, where can people find you, Greg? Uh, you can find me on the tweets at Greg Goodness, and I also co-host a podcast called Ships in the Night. We take fictional characters and talk about what it would be like if they bumped uglies. Ah, uh, yeah. What about you, Lex? I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. Awesome. You can find me at Tari J, T U R I J A Y. But most importantly, you could find us at Missing Outcast, M I S S I N G O U T C A S T. We hope you guys join us for tomorrow's show. It's going to be a really great discussion. So until then, take care. Bye bye. Let us know what you're into. See you later. I feel so comfortable and secure in this moment. <laughs>